You are listening to the Dark Corner Podcast with DJ Evil Dave and Starfleet International Lieutenant Randy Jacob. It's me again, your host, DJ Evil Dave, flying solo once again. I could have recorded with Brandy earlier today. It just didn't happen. We had attended a concert, and places in Utah have dropped the mask mandate, and it seems like they're not even asking for vaccination or anything like that. We still masked up, but... Uh, although we didn't catch anything as uh, serious as COVID, I think we might have caught ourselves some head colds. We've been a bit achy and a bit congested, sniffling, sneezing sort of thing. No fever, no shortness of breath, nothing too terribly serious. Just your standard everyday cold season kind of head cold, which you might hear in my voice as I'm a little congested and a little off balance too as it does affect the sinuses the inner air and stuff like that so be tumbling around getting from room to room how often brandy's had to use the wall to get from place to place and there's a cat who's not happy that i'm talking and he's wandering around and here he comes um, that uh, live event we attended was Straight No Chaser, an acapella group, all-male acapella group, that Brandy had been excited to see for some time, and while she got the tickets long ago, there were COVID protocols in place, and of course those being adjusted with changes in law and mandate and all that, so yeah, a lot of people not wearing masks. Some people not enough but that's just the way it is right now it seems is people ignoring that covid is even a thing still and yeah it will drop off eventually but i have my doubts that it's gone for good now even though uh, it seems very few people are reporting on it like the numbers we did enjoy the show uh, brandy would probably want to say more about it so i guess i could leave a discussion for when she's available to uh, share her thoughts. Uh, she's more familiar with the band, the group, I guess you call it, since there's no instruments, just vocal instrumentation, vocal percussion, singing, etc. Sometimes I feel I've got to Run away, I've got to get away from the pain you drive into the heart of me. The love we share seems to go nowhere, and I've lost my light. For I toss and turn, I can't sleep at night. Once I ran to you, now I'll run from you. This tale of you giving, I give you all a boy can give you. Take my tears, and that's not nearly all. 
dropped mask mandates at work as well, so I'm working with a lot of maskless people, and it's just, it's a little weird. It's going to take some getting used to people without masks on, and wondering if that's going to change or if it's going to continue to decline in number of cases. And, yeah, maybe eventually we'll straighten out this ship, you know, flatten that curve. Been playing Yakuza like a dragon, still, and the cat's attacking my arm wrapped up in a blanket because that's how he likes to play with me. That way he doesn't like bite my skin but he still gets to play. Discovering this triad, though not actually the triad, but a competition between three groups of gangsters. The Yakuza, this uh, Korean mafia, and uh, this Chinese mafia all controlling this city and having the tensions between the three groups being what keeps everything intact and having that all fall apart is interesting because with uh, Yakuza being a Japanese design game it's kind of an insight into how the Japanese look at you know Chinese and Korean culture for instance a particular Chinese mobster uses the Quan Dao which is this giant spear that is uh, famous for being wielded by this particular uh, legendary Chinese warrior and a lot of the designs around Chinatown. In fact, that you assist this tour guide in doing a tour of Chinatown, and so you have to pick up on a brief regarding bits and pieces of that part of the city and some of the cultural things like this lucky toad that if you rub its ear which is weird because toads don't generally have ears but i mean not in a way that you could actually touch and rub them but that's the left ear if you rub it you'll attract good meals wherever you go so the paint has worn off on that particular ear which is interesting little tidbit and bit of world building immersion which the yakuza games do pretty well well the uh, korean mafia the main two members of this korean mafia group are extremely attractive and very well dressed and stylish and it's kind of this look at i guess the popularity of k-pop right now is that they're both strikingly attractive and and interesting and cool and well dressed to the point where the woman part of this partnership is in like a mini skirt and then the guy is in this black puffy coat with white hair still a madcap game that every once in a while gets rather dark so there are some strange tone shifts but i picked up a new game as well brandy actually had bought this game a while back but after listening to the get played podcast review of it a lot of them had listed this game in their top 10 it's disco elysium a very strange game with a really odd backstory the creator having tried to tell the story in various other forms such as writing a novel that just didn't take off but it's a very strange concept for a video game and it's very light on combat you usually think of combat being often the center of any kind of video game and it reminds me of the first time i read straight toasters by bill sankovics in which this 
drunken cop, you know, drunken detective tries to solve this serial murder case and how it's all very surreal. The lawyer that thinks he's a shark and acts like a shark, which also means that he can't control his bowels, so he wears a diaper and takes his therapy in a bathtub. It's that kind of odd world, and it's like our world but not, and of a time that looks like it might be the 1920s, but there's things they reference that seem more modern than that, such as disco itself and rock and roll, these things that seem to have come into being after what a lot of the design suggests, because a lot of the cars have this antique quality to them. You know, 1920s, 1930s, possibly at the latest. And you play a detective who wakes up with this alcohol-induced amnesia, and you try to piece together who you are and what has happened, all while solving this murder case. And it takes place in, so far, this just small bit of this country that had been bombarded by enemy nations that then came in and took over, so there's some resentment in this idea of a fallen empire, that there's ruins all around, including this area called the Doomed Commercial District, a bunch of shops that all the businesses have closed. What makes this game interesting is how it plays with personality and developing your personality as you play the game. As you level up, you can choose aspects of your character to increase as you would with many video games, but it's a bit different. Like instead of strength, it's physical instrument. It's like how does your body perform as a weapon or tool? There's one called pain threshold is how much damage you can take in the things you do, like slamming up against a door to try to break it down. In the original build, I put points into conceptualization, which is how you look at the world in an artistic sense. You know, that eye or soul of an artist. So every once in a while, as you're discussing something or investigating something, it'll run these skill checks to determine if something gets revealed to you. There's one called Inland Empire. and No, that's not the part of California. It's your gut sensations, it's your intuition that reveals clues to you, and every once in a while it'll pop in and tell you something. It's all wonderfully done by this narrator who changes the way he expresses some part of your personality, like physical instrument is very masculine and aggressive, while logic is more removed and, well, like you'd expect, Vulcan-like. And then conceptualization will be more distant and aloof and perceptive. Every once in a while it'll offer you a challenge and the success or failure rate will be listed depending on how many points you have in a particular skill. Also what items and thoughts you might have processed. So that's another thing you can do is unlock this thought tree. There's one thought process that's basically keeping your shit together, which increases your endurance. There's another, which is a political philosophy of centrism. Just this belief that 
change is incremental and very slow, and then the only stable change is the change that happens gradually over time. So benefits will come much later in life than in your current life. And unlocking that meant that during dialogue I could heal some morale, because you have basically your psychic hit points, which is your morale, and your physical hit points, which is just your health. And those can get damaged by doing dumb things like running into a door, even though that is part of your investigation, is trying to break open this door keeping you from the buildings in the doomed commercial district. You can also take psychic damage in conversation by being humiliated or shamed. It's a fascinating game, and it's got a really cool style in its art and its graphics. It's very painterly. It reminds me of point-and-click adventures like Myst, though it's a, more, a little more interactive than that. It's not just like a flat image that you hover your mouse over to click on. It's You can move your guy around and direct his attention into different points of interest and interact with them. These could be doors, these could be other characters, these could be containers that you can try to open or even break open depending on the tools you carry. It's very intricate and very weird and at times creepy, at times thought-provoking. It deals a lot with political ideology and race, which is interesting how a lot of the people you run across are into this race theory of certain races being superior to others, and you run across one lorry driver who talks about this book that's proven it, failing to mention that the people that wrote the book have confirmation bias, and to prove that their race is superior, will be looking for the things they value in themselves that set them apart and superior to those unlike them. So he, at the start, it would be a, a flawed experiment. Uh, the downside is there's a lot of walking around, unlocking one thing so you can go back and try again somewhere else. Once you fail at a certain task, it usually locks you out of it unless you are to increase that skill and be able to attempt it again or if some time has passed. Time is weird too. It seems to advance only if you're engaged in something. Like the most recent time I've been playing it, it was stuck at 5.02 in the evening for a long time. And I'd walk from place to place and it would still be 5.02 because I wasn't interacting with anybody in some dialogue tree. Something I might not have figured out on my own, but was brought up in the Get Played podcast, was the actual text on screen. Often when you have subtitles or text or something, it will be on the top of the screen or at the bottom of the screen. This comes into a bar on the side. It reminds me of the old dungeon crawlers where your description of what takes place would happen kind of on the right side of the screen. It does very similar to that in Disco Elysium where it'll run through the dialogue options and whatever insight is being revealed to you on the right hand side in text as the narrator reads through it. It's creepy and disturbing. There's 
some druggy kid that swears at you a lot. There's racial and other slurs that are used. The racial slurs are kind of invented terms, but you kind of get an idea of what they're talking about. While other slurs, there's kind of a static done to soften the effect, but you're pretty sure what people are saying to you. It's very much a different sort of video game with a compelling story and a very different sort of interface that seems like it would reward additional playthroughs using a different character build and choosing different options just to see what other results might reveal themselves because some avenues get locked to you depending on your choices. I can only play that for so long because it is dark and dreary and you kind of get lost in it so I'll swap from that to Yakuza which I can play with headphones on because a lot of it's just wandering this city getting into random fights and looking for collectibles. For movie night we watched Monster House which was a an Amblin animated feature written by Dan Harmon partly was the other guy Rob Schraub but they're writing partners and uh, there's that keen sense of humor that Dan Harmon has as well as that bit of darkness too. Brandy was watching it with me, of course, and she was surprised to find it as dark as it is thematically, being this house on the block of this small township that seems to only have two uniformed police officers and somebody at dispatch. But to have this group of kids try to figure out the mystery of this house that seems to like to eat people. The animation is really great even now because I know it's a bit of an older film and it's one of those movies that I heard was better than people expected it to be and I have to admit that it is very good indeed. The voice acting is great because the casting is great. Maggie Gyllenhaal as a babysitter for instance. Steve Buscemi as an old man. And the animation is on point too, so it's this combination of really on point character animation with the way they move and the gestures they make, the way they walk, like kind of the teenage slouching walk of our babysitter and kind of the upright gait of this girl who's in prep school. Now the more comic relief member of the group kind of waddles wherever he goes and the way he'll wave somebody off with his hand it's really well done there's other bits of it that's a bit more primitive because yes it is an older film so there's kind of a, a clay-like appearance to the characters and so the hair will often look like it's clay plastered onto a figure you know this was computer animated yeah, we found it quite dark, and at the end, it was a nice surprise to find a Susie the Banshee song for the end credits doing Halloween. I guess speaking about music, we can get into the dark track. Industrial, EBM, pop, electronic, in the new wave 
the dark track for this episode comes from Artifact Records, who once again just released a bunch of their back catalog for free. Basically as a, hey, we survived the pandemic, so here's a bunch of free stuff. So I picked up a couple of albums that I missed the last time they had offered their back catalog. So there's more stuff in the promotional library for future episodes. But this is one of the bands under the Artifact Records label. Artifact being a Canadian record label and a lot of their bands being Canadian too. For instance, they have Frontline Assembly and Noise Unit and Kevin Key, a member of Skinny Puppy, in their roster. But this band comes all the way from Iceland, and it's a band called Legend. And so we have for you the song Devil and Me by Legend from the album Fearless. Waiting for the balls to follow me 
devil on my back is uh, beyond me but uh, there you have it um, often classified as electro-industrial and compared to bands like nine inch nails uh, legend has a lot of electronica influences i really like the kind of relaxed and cozy feel of this song it's also interesting about uh, breaking down walls and getting together but also having a devil on your back as you do it is an interesting juxtaposition of ideas of freedom and also a burden and i suppose we'll get more into that in the main topic but i like the vocal quality very good singing on this piece and uh, music is no slouch either i think it's a good blend and it's got a nice groove to it and that is devil and me by legend from the album fearless issued by artifact records and artifact is a r t o f f 
A-C-T, Art of Fact. The Dice Girls may not know what we're doing, but we're sure having a lot of fun doing it. Do my bagpipes have, like, attack damage? <laughs> if I take out my bow, <laughs> could I miss and hit Trigus? If you roll bad enough. <laughs> have we been able to see the whole time? <laughs> you have dark vision! Surprise! <laughs> what ho, ugly creature? Don't, don't mind him. Everyone's dying around me, but I can't hit anything! Are you guys gonna be okay? Honestly, I think the answer to that is always no. <laughs> Who are you? I'm just some riffraff. <laughs> <laughs> Not anything particularly special. <laughs> we are the Dice Girls. <laughs> Find us wherever you get your podcasts. I rolled a four. We're going to die. All right, getting back into the tarot again. It's been a little while since we've discussed the tarot. It's again a caveat that... Uh, discussing the tarot. It's not just about the woo-woo nature of tarot cards. It's not just the uh, belief in astrology and divination and so on. I mean, you can pursue it for those reasons if you so desire, but the tarot also presents an interesting image-based system of looking at the hero's journey as written about by Joseph Campbell and being presented in ancient myths and in the films and stories we tell today. The major arcana of the tarot tells the story of maturing from infant to adult and all the people and places and trials and tribulations you run across on that journey, while the lesser arcana, the suited cards, different aspects of life as well, and how you encounter certain things depending on various caste systems from the military to the clergy to artisans or merchants, but the suited cards also representing emotional states or parts of the personality, such as your intellect with swords, your emotion with cups, your spirit with wands, or your physical presence with coins or pentacles. So we start with the full making its way up through the world from infancy, from naivete to completion or actualization. At the 15th card, we're well into the second half of the Major Arcana, there being 22 cards from 0 to 21. And the 15th is the Devil card, another ominous card to show up in a reading, I think most people would assume. And if someone was to list the tarot cards they know about, Death, Lovers, The Fool think the devil would be one of them. The devil was not always the devil, though, in the tarot. It used to be Pan, the Greek figure, a satyr, and emblem of the wild, often one's animalistic nature. It's the mythological creature from which we get the word panic, as in a terror or uncontrolled reaction to something. Pan would play the famous pan flute, 
to lure unsuspecting humans, mortals, into the woods and to mystify and captivate them and so on, as many warnings of fairy folk entail. But once the tarot got into the hands of more Christian sensibilities, you saw the figure of Pan evolve into the devil. And you can kind of see the short length it would take from going from the one to the other. The devil also presenting goat-like features, the hooved feet, the horned head. So let's talk about the imagery of the devil card, the 15th card in the tarot. Throned at the center of the card is Baphomet, the demon often associated with the dark magics of occult lore. And before him, subjugated before him, possibly even kneeling, maybe standing, are a man and a woman, both nude and each in chains, probably shackled from a collar at the neck that may actually appear to be loose, indicating that these human figures can escape their bonds if they really wanted to. Now there's something also not human about these two figures, and that is that they're starting to present small horns, showing that there's something in their nature that is similar to that Baphomet figure that is enthroned. The figures have also grown tails, and one I believe it is the male showing a flame-tipped tail, and I believe it's the female that's tail ends in a bunch of grapes, which could represent indulgence or drunkenness, and perhaps even bounty of some sort. But yes, the the grapes of of wine is perhaps the most direct symbolism there. If some of this description sounds familiar, it's because the Devil card very much mirrors the same image that you see on the Lovers, which is the sixth card of the tarot, in which an Adam and Eve-like pair stand before the Archangel Gabriel, I believe it's supposed to be. It's been a little while since we've done Lovers. The cards are like two sides of a coin. They have the same tableau of two nude figures before some greater entity. But while the lovers represents freedom of choice, the devil is a subversion of that. And the often false idea that there is no freedom of choice, that you are condemned to whatever compulsion drives you. It's the card of addiction. It's the card of obsession. It is the card of sexual arousal. It's like mentioning Pan before. It is the animalistic nature. It is the shadow self, the desires, the id. And the chains represented is one's desires binding one to whatever course of action they decide on, which might not seem like a decision. If somebody has some kind of substance abuse 
problem, they might not be making the best choices, but rather the choice that will get them to that next drink, that next hit, that next toke, whatever happens to be their poison of choice, that is what drives them. But as said earlier, the collars around the neck aren't fully clasped or locked, and so there's always freedom of choice there, even if it seems that there is not. The devil is the card of bondage, both good and bad. If it comes up in a reading, and if you are talking about sexuality, this could be BDSM play. It could be sadomasochism. It could be domination and submission. Various other forms of kink, which is perfectly fine as long as everyone consents to it and it is done safely. This bondage could also refer to the belief that one has no choice. That whatever situation one is caught up in cannot be changed. That it's just the course of nature and one has no control over it. This could be one's perception of their job. Are they satisfied in their position or do they feel trapped? The devil card represents unhealthy choices. And if it comes up in a reading, it could be a warning and it could also be a revelation that, hey, this might be the situation you're in right now. You might want to rethink the relationship you're in, the job you're in, the choices you're making. Are you choosing the healthy option? Are you choosing the best option? Are you choosing the option that could possibly harm you? While the devil card seems like it would be a negative card in a reading, there are positive spins on it, such as exploring your more kinkier side or to getting that wake-up call that perhaps you're not satisfied in whatever role you're taking, that you're living inauthentically, that you're not choosing what is best for you, you're not living free, but rather willingly, possibly, taking on this burden, this bondage, these chains that tie you to something that is not the best for your health, your mental health, your physical health, or just your well-being. When the devil shows up in the reading, depending on the cards around it, or whatever the question is that the querent is asking, the devil can also represent sexuality. It's that animalistic nature, it's instinct and basic drives, pure appetite. And while it's okay to have desire or appetite, it's also good to pursue those things in a healthy manner and not one where you're stepping on others or exploiting anyone to get what you want or doing so as we said inauthentically in bad faith that it is all right to have sexual desires is just how that gets expressed and how that is directed is it done so in a healthy and consensual way Numerologically, of course, the lovers and the devil are linked. They are two sides of a coin, as we said. The lovers being the sixth card, the devil being the fifteenth, so five plus one equals six, so you can see the numerological link there. But in a spread, if you're 
thumbing through a deck of tarot cards and run across both the lovers and the devil, you will spot the similarities more likely than not. As to the lesser arcana and how the devil relates, the Six of Swords, we get departure or letting go. Often the image is of a couple in a boat and one figure is pushing the boat off the shore. It's possibly after a victory and just moving on to the next thing, but it could also be retreating from a loss as well. It's just accepting the way things are and moving on from that, not getting stuck, which is a concept that opposes the Six of Cups, which is very much about getting stuck. Back in your childhood, for instance, of being of reflecting on one's childhood, it is the card of nostalgia. The impulse that Judge John Hodgman said was the most toxic. We see the effects of nostalgia in how people cherry-pick the things of the past, that the good old days were so much better because of this, that, and the other. If you look at certain politicians talking about how great it was back so many years, it's, of course it was. You were a child. You didn't have the same responsibilities you do have an adult. So no wonder things would seem better then than compared to now, because often memory can erase the less pleasant parts of our upbringing. That's not necessarily always the case, but in terms of nostalgia, often people remember more good than bad. Six of Wands is encouragement of recognition, something that is very much appreciated within the field of art or crafts, which is what the wands often represent, is the artisan class. If one is so impressed by the performance of a worker or in the product of an artisan, then recognizing that it is and affording praise or sharing that information in some sort of review is beneficial to the artisan in question. It is good to apply reinforcement to one's workers if you're an employer, but also to be grateful and appreciate a quality service or product when you're the customer. And finally, we have this Six of Pentacles, or the Six of Coins, if you'd rather. The Six of Pentacles is all about giving and receiving. Pentacles, as I mentioned, also represent coins, which is the wealth of the merchant class. And so the giving and receiving is very much part and parcel with how coins work. Wealth has to be distributed. It's a currency. It needs to flow. And as you give, you receive in turn. And so this card can go either way. The reception of a gift or the giving thereof. And in some regard, it can be very similar to charity giving without expecting anything in return. As always, I like to illustrate the meaning of any major arcana tarot card to Star Wars, because Star Wars is one of the 
most open representations of the fool's journey to interpretation. I mean, it's straight up George Lucas reading Hero of a Thousand Faces by Joseph Campbell and taking stock of what all that means of the fool and his journey. I think with the devil, it's pretty clear case that we're talking about the emperor who seeks to control the galaxy under his iron fist. It's that seizing of absolute control, of bonding others to his wishes, that's very much in the realm of the devil card. And if you think of Darth Vader being at the side of the Emperor for so long, and in those final moments in Return of the Jedi, realizing that the collar around his neck was not completely shut, that Vader could break his bonds and seek to turn against the Emperor to protect his son, Luke. So, as imposing as the threat happens to be, there's always that hope to rise against it, that one's freedom of choice, one's agency, is not fully controlled by the Emperor, or in this case, the Devil card. Okay, looking at the images, as Brandy isn't here to do so, the standard one, of course, being a male and a female figure, both before the goat-legged, horned, bearded, Baphomet figure. Above his head is the upside-down pentacle, which is a binding symbol, from what I've been told, that the arrow pointing down binds something to its location. And Baphomet is raising his right hand in what looks like a Vulcan salute, which is a, a Jewish figure. And you'll spot in a number of tarot cards either a Hebrew glyph or some other Jewish symbol. You also see Egyptian symbology, Christian symbology as well. Anything that can convey a message spiritually is often adopted by artists in creating tarot cards. There's a version by Goat Shrine, which has kind of a golden background. There is a male and female symbol in either corner, top corner of the card. And there's a very large-headed, bearded, Baphomet-like figure with human-appearing breasts. The hand gestures, though, are different. There are two fingers held in the Kung Fu sword-pointing fashion, the right hand pointing up, and the left hand with only a single finger pointing down. This gesture of simultaneously pointing up and down often has a balancing effect, that one is between two worlds, between the rational and the emotional, or the purely mental, the purely physical. There is a French depiction of the devil, Le Diable, which sees a devilish figure with a two-pronged pitchfork-like implement towering over what appears to be a weeping peasant woman. Dead Sound has created an image that has harlequin-like 
pillars on either side, and then a what appears to be a goat-headed female, and it's all done in a rough woodblock-like fashion, but in uh, sepia-type co- tone colors, kind of a beige and brown, a little bit of red around the title of the card, and then blacks and grays. Cocorina and Company has a triple goddess representing the devil with the crescent moon forming the horns with the upside-down pentacle, of course, and a snake-like figure held by the central figure of the triple goddess. I see another woodblock-like depiction of the devil, but done in a very sharp black-and-white contrast. Alex Branwin has done a morbid fantasy-themed tarot with a Cthulhu-like figure looking like a mind flayer from Dungeons and Dragons as the throned Baphomet figure. And you can see his ribcage glowing. This is something else about the Baphomet figure is it's often winged. Not always, but often you'll see the devil figure sporting bat-like wings from its back. In the Megami Tensei wiki, we see the Devil Arcana card being a kind of colorful, almost like crayon-like depiction that has a goat skull head from the looks of it within a heart and then the profile of a man and woman at the bottom of the card. Most of the images do present a throned devil-like figure with a man and a woman standing before him, often facing the reader of the card rather than turned to face the devil figure. Sketch Feathers has another interesting take on the devil, is it presents a human figure standing at what looks like the edge of a lake or something and then casting a reflection which is the devil upside down. So you see this small figure in the background and it's dominated, the image is dominated mostly by this upside down devil-like figure in the reflection. Quite a fascinating amount of interpretations, a lot of them similar and sometimes not. We see one by Patrak Art that looks like just an evil samurai. A very red, very painterly image of someone who appears to be in a red samurai helmet that is giving the evil eye. A lot of them feature very imposing images of a dark authoritarian looking figure that is commanding, compelling, oppressing someone much smaller in stature and in power. I generally don't go for reversed images as I think they complicate the tarot which is already very dense and open to interpretation. So when you throw in the meanings of reversed cards, that is, cards that are laying upside down in the process of a reading, I think it just makes it more complicated than it needs be. But generally speaking, a reversed image 
often reverses the meaning of the card. So something about human bondage could be liberation of finding a way to break those bonds. However, in other cases, a reverse image might draw out the darker most meaning of the card. For instance, addiction, obsession, compulsion, these aspects of our personality that when they manifest often suggest to us, perhaps falsely, that we have no choice in our behavior, that we respond animalistically, instinctively, that we throw logic out the window. Once again, I'll have a music playlist based on the various meanings of the Devil card for a future episode. I'd like to shout out Artifact Records for so frequently offering their back catalog for Name Your Price on Bandcamp. So you could put in zero, you could put in a dollar, you could put in whatever you think the album's worth, and fill your boots every once in a while. You can also get their compilation albums completely for free. They have free samples listed in Bandcamp, if you follow Artifact Records. I hope I will record something with Brandy this month. Maybe we'll talk about Straight No Chaser, or perhaps her next movie of choice. We'll find something to discuss, surely. Just uh, stay safe out there. It seems things are on the upturn, but uh, I've been to that point before where they've said hey you don't have to wear your masks and the very next day we're wearing our masks again so it's all kind of touch and go and catch as catch can so we'll just have to play this out and hopefully you're all well and I hope you continue to be so so we'll catch you next time possibly with the music special possibly with Brandy to discuss something else I already have a playlist figured for the musical tarot devil episode and it should be a fun one this card does have a lot of different meanings but until then i bid thee farewell and goodbye you have been listening to the dark corner podcast with me brandy and also david jackola follow me on twitter at brandy 12 brandy is spelled with an i dave is at dark corner cast We have a group and a fan page on Facebook. Both are at the Dark Corner Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcasts Boldly Go, a Strange New Worlds podcast, The Vedic Assembly, a Deep Space Nine podcast, and What the Future Holds, a Star Trek Discovery podcast. You can see me discuss Star Trek Live on the Unready Room and the Kurt Ratz Productions YouTube channel. Kurt Ratz is Star Trek spelled backwards. I host my own podcast, Headcanon, wherein I guide you through the mazes of my mind. The Dark Track was offered for free as a promotional item or submitted by the artist or artist representative. The opening track is unbelievable as covered by Batavia. The closing track is At Last The End as covered by Cat Temper. All other music is used for illustrative purposes and no infringement of copyright is intended. Please subscribe, rate, and review the Dark Corner Podcast on Anchor.fm. And thank you for allowing us the time to keep you in the dark.
Night of Evil. The Dark Corner.